Welcome to the Unshakable Hope Podcast, where real life intersects redeeming love. I'm Kelly Hall, and this is where we wrestle through faith questions such as, how do I trust God's heart when his ways and delays are breaking mine? How can I believe God is good when life doesn't seem good? My prayer is that God would renew our hope in these conversations and that each of us would experience the very real power of his presence and love. Today, I'm so excited to meet our guest, Lori Volber, and for you to meet her, we've had so much fun connecting before this podcast. She's written a book called Choices, and she asks the questions, when you're faced with a challenge, what choice will you make? Lori is well-equipped to ask such a question because she suffered an intracerebral hemorrhagic stroke at the age of 29 and then developed epilepsy as a result. Even after numerous other major life upheavals, Lori never gave up on God. And through it all, she and her family have experienced God's love and his faithfulness. So Lori, welcome. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm so excited to be here. I want to tell you that as I read your book, I kept wanting to call you up on the phone because we had so much in common. I too graduated from the University of Texas and I played the flute. And my first job as a physical therapist was actually on a rehab wing in a hospital, just like the one you described in the book. Oh, that's so incredible. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your family, your husband, your kids? Yeah, so thank you so much for the kind introduction. And I, again, I'm excited to be here. So my husband's Danis. And we were married just shy of five years when out of the blue, I suffered what was called the intracerebral hemorrhagic stroke, perfectly healthy. And actually, we had been trying to start our family for about a year, a little over a year at the time of my stroke. And I had just made a major job transition from corporate sales and marketing at the airlines to a job at our church. I had already been working at our church part-time as their special events coordinator, and they asked me to come on full-time as their office manager. And because we had been struggling to start our family, I thought it would help with the stress level and the travel schedule. So that was my plan, is to help our family planning. God's plan, actually, though, I believe, was to put me in a safer environment and to save my life, because three weeks later, out of the blue, came the devastating change and had that stroke. Unfortunately, I did not know the signs of a stroke like I should have at age 29. Did not feel well that day, but just came on suddenly and really was just rushed to the hospital and emergency brain surgery that night. And woke up 17 days later, completely paralyzed on the left side. Really, I just lost everything and really, really learned that in the blink of the eye, You can lose everything and your whole life can change, but God always has a plan. He really does. We have just learned so much through this journey of being flexible and having a faith. And thankfully, I did have a faith prior, and I'm so thankful for that. My husband and I lived in Minnesota, and I was in the hospital for two months and came home. He and my parents were both my caregivers, and he was also in the airline industry. It was right after September 11th. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know the timing. Yes. And so unfortunately, uh, because of the airline industry and the slowdown, it was about six months after my stroke that he lost his job. That was very difficult, another life challenge. But God has a plan for everything. And even though sometimes we don't see that plan right up front, he provided a new opportunity for my husband in Arizona. And it was 
although it was very difficult emotionally to make that move, it was so wonderful for me. It jump-started my recovery and my physical therapy at a brand new rehab. So I basically made that my full-time job for the next seven years and worked pretty much six to eight hours a day to get my recovery and my mobility back at a new rehab facility in Arizona. It was called Swan Rehab. It was just opening up. I was one of their first patient groups. I will always be extremely thankful for that opportunity. In 2011, we adopted three children and decided to continue our family planning at that point. Okay. I'm wondering what it was like for you that morning when you woke up 17 days after you'd been put in a coma. And I know you went through several surgeries too. But when you're first coming out of that coma and you're hearing the news about what happened, were you able to process that? I don't, I, I don't believe I was really able to process it. Well, I think God protected me a lot emotionally along the way in, in the journey because I like to exercise a lot prior to the stroke. And I think he protected me emotionally by giving me that love of exercise and that focus on getting better and regaining things on a physical level. So I just kept thinking, if I just rehab hard enough, if I work hard enough, if I just keep going and keep persevering, I will get better. Unfortunately, that wasn't completely correct because I still have a disability today. For those that see me in person, I still have left side deficits. My left hand is still a assisted device, I guess you could say, to my right hand. I still walk with a limp, but I am very independent. I can drive. I can take care of our family. And so I can do a lot of things independently that I say by the grace of God that I can do those things. Thankful that we made the move to Arizona and I failed with therapy I did. Yes, that because you could have ended up staying in Minnesota and not had additional therapeutic resources. Definitely. And really, I had great therapy at the beginning. And I am friends, actually, with my first therapist, but they really didn't know what to do with me in Minnesota. You've reached your six months. We don't know what to do with you. Go home and be happy. And at that point, at age 30, I was not going to go home and be happy in a wheelchair. And the new therapy team that I had here in Arizona really believed in the neuroplasticity of the brain, which is the ability for the brain to relearn through repetition. And I kind of contributed kind of like piano lessons, where the more you practice, the more you're going to learn and the better you're going to get at it. And that's how I thought of it. They really felt if one activity doesn't work, we're going to change it up and we're going to keep working at this until you get better. One of the things you mentioned in your book was that you lost the whole left side. You've mentioned that this morning. And you said that your center of your body was the middle of your right side. And I worked with many patients who had that same issue. So we'd place a mirror in front of them so they could start to be aware of the other half of their body. They could start to see it and feel it. When you're learning to sit up straight, you can't feel it. You're not even aware of it. Your brain doesn't know how to activate those muscles. And so it's a huge learning curve. But I so agree with you, the neuroplasticity of the brain is huge. Our girls, three of our girls are profoundly deaf and they could not hear anything at all. They got cochlear implants and then later they got them on the other side. But that part of their brain on that side had never processed sound. They had to do a lot of therapy to train their brain 
to process and to apply meaning to that sound. And now they do great with it. But I love how God just filled you with this sense of purpose and perseverance. I wondered how long you had been in rehab. I think, did you just say seven years? Uh, seven, seven years straight for the first time. And then once we adopted, I kept going back intermittently and then just really did my own program. And so now the two of our children are out of the house and my son is a, now a senior in high school. This is my year to get back to really figuring out what I can do to concentrate on me again. Yeah. It's just such a miracle that you survived. Oh, I agree. I agree. So I was just praising God with you as you were describing your recovery. Thank you. Thank you. And I forget that sometimes you get to a point where you want more, but you can't question why. You would, it's more important to look for the opportunities of what can I do with it. And I think God has really given me the ability to look at all the challenges we've gone through and say, okay, we have had some definitely major challenges in our life, but for what purpose and what can I do with them? And I think anytime we go through things in life, we have a choice of how we react. And that's one of the big things that he did when he gave me the opportunity to write my story and he gave me the title choices. We're all going to face challenges in our life, but what we have a choice in is how we react to those. Our disappointments can either drive us away from God or drive us deeper into the heart of God. And so, yes, there is a choice we make, but the sweet part about the Lord is how he meets us in those losses. And that if we're willing to just engage with him and share our heartache and our devastation and our questions, he will meet us there and he will fill us with his love and his sustaining power. He will. And he will bring the people alongside us that we need at just the right time and the connections at just the right time. Yes. How did he do that for you? He brought long-term friends that came alongside of us, brought people at our church in Minnesota. It wasn't easy to make the transition and give up everything we we had known at the time to move across the country. I think that was mostly looking back, that was really tough. So when we moved to Arizona, I had to recreate not only who I was to myself and who this new me was and who this new normal was, but to other people, because all they saw was this young person with a disability. They didn't know who I was. And then I also started having seizures and epilepsy from the stroke. So that also took away a lot of my independence. But as I improved, really, I jumped into women's ministry at the new church that we found. And that really was the first step of me becoming the new me and me finding myself again. What I've learned along the way is being vulnerable, learning to trust, and learning just to being open to others and finding the support along the way. It, everybody goes through things. Yeah. And your parents, the way your parents came alongside you and y'all shared a home, you had a home that had a space for them and a space for your family. And they were just wonderful in the ways that they, they stepped are. up and cared for you and cared for your family throughout. This whole adventure. Yes, I have wonderful parents. We're still very close to them. They live about five minutes from us, though we see them frequently. I wanted to ask you about a particular part of your story that I read in the book, and it really moved me. 
because I saw so much courage displayed in this story. So this is when you were in college at the University of Texas, and you experienced an intense loss and disappointment. And I don't know even a humiliation. I don't know if it was, but can you please describe what happened and then how you responded to that? Sure, yes. So I had the amazing privilege an opportunity to be part of the University of Texas Longhorn Band and while I was at the university. And I always said many things that I was involved in was really based on my perseverance and my attitude and not on my talent. And that included the band. It really did. But, you know, I was involved in sports much of my life until we moved to Texas. My dad was in, in the telecommunications industry as I was growing up. And so we really moved every two to three years my whole life. And as an only child, that could get lonely at times. And so I think when my husband and I decided to adopt, that's why we adopted a sibling group, because we were both only children. We wanted to have a bigger family. But when I moved from the East Coast to Texas, when I was in high school, I transitioned my sports career to the band. And so when I went to the university, I was in the band. In my first year, I went to what was called the Bertha Crew, and that was a huge big drum. You made the Bertha Crew when you actually weren't quite good enough to make the band, but you showed enough perseverance and enthusiasm that they wanted you to be part of the band, but you didn't have quite enough talent to be part of uh, your instrument group. And I was a flute and piccolo play player. So the, my freshman year, I was part of the Bertha Crew. A Bertha group, what were you doing during those halftime performances? And there were four people for the Bertha crew. It was a humongous drum, and you rolled the drum out onto the field during the halftime performance, and then you stay on the sidelines, and you beat the big drum during different things on the sidelines. Yeah. So you travel with the band, you just don't play with the band. So it was my first experience, and I was just so grateful. And I became part of the band sorority at the end of my freshman year. Really, I just fell in love with the band sorority. So going into my sophomore year, I actually made it into the piccolo section. And I also became a part of the band sorority as a treasurer and an officer. Then going into my junior year, I was all set to be an officer again. And I thought I would be a piccolo player and everything would be set. Lo and behold, the trial sheet came out and you have to try out every year because competition, new freshmen are coming in. Unfortunately, I was cut for the long-term band. I was already set to be an officer the next year in the sorority. And uh, my name wasn't on the roster. I wasn't talented enough for that piccolo section. But I had enough friends that said, you know what, our tryouts aren't yet happening for the big flag section. And so we are going to do everything we can to get you in the big flag section and teach you everything we need you to know. So how do you feel about that? And I thought, if it means staying in the longer band, absolutely. I learned everything there was to learn to be a big flag. I did went through those tryouts a couple of days later. I made it back into the longer band, continued in the sorority. And it was the best decision I ever made because not only was I still part of the longer band, but I found a new love. I continued in the big flag section, continued through my junior, my senior year, and in the alumni band. And I absolutely loved it. I wish I had done big black, big flags from the very beginning because I actually loved it more than the piccolo. 
<laughs> and it was just so much fun. And it just, it was just eye-opening of, again, number one, when you open your eyes to new things, what the possibilities are. And number two, perseverance. Just keep persevering because when God closes one door, he'll open a window with a new door because you never know. And that perseverance of positivity just carried me through. And I really think God used that one opportunity to set things up because with my stroke and then other challenges through my life, it just has carried through. It really has. That same crate has carried through my life so many times. What struck me about that story so much was the courage you exhibited to remain a part of that community. You loved the community. And so you persevered with courage. It just reminds me so much of the most courageous faith heroes that I know that they refused to give up and they refused to give in. You could have done so easily was to step away, to isolate, to remove yourself because of the loss or the disappointment. But you just kept engaging. And it's a beautiful picture of how God invites us to engage with him in all of our losses and all of our heartaches. He will prove himself faithful and worthy of our trust, no matter what happens. And so what I see in that story is just the courage to remain even through really big losses. Oh, thank you for your encouragement. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. What I'd love to ask you, we completely left this part out of the interview. I always want to start with asking people. If there is a verse that anchors them more firmly to God's heart of love. So could you share that with us? Sure. And I knew that was going to be something we were going to talk about. And we skipked over that. And actually, I have too, if that would be okay. Yes, of course. We love God's word here. So we can talk about it as much as possible. So actually, I talk about Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot in my book. So Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and buy me when you seek me with all your heart. This year, I don't usually pick a word of the year, but I just threw my writer's tribe to pick a word. And so I did, and I picked the word purpose. And I didn't really know what what that all would entail, but I was becoming a writer for the first time. My book was going to be published. So I thought purpose would be a really good word for me. I picked it based on Proverbs 19.21. That says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I loved that verse and I loved that word so much because God just showed me that even though I had plans and thought I knew what the purpose was, he just changed it up so much. And we were talking earlier, early on in January, I was pre-diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And although it turned out well, and it ended up being just a benign sense, God's purpose and plans were so much greater last year than I ever thought they would be. And not only did I have the opportunity to publish my first book and start speaking, but he used my writing, my speaking, 
and that new medical journey to support others at the Cancer Centers of America to learn and grow in ways that I never would have had that opportunity. So this year, as I've been pondering what I'm going to concentrate on, he's really placed in my heart the importance of thankfulness and gratitude. And I just love 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 that says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So many times we think joy of happiness and an emotion. But really, it's joy in the Lord is a choice we make, especially when we go through challenges and tough circumstances. And that's really where I'm at is for people to hear my story and understand that you can go through tough times and still have hope and joy. Yes. And the thing I love about that Jeremiah 29, 11 verse that you quoted about God's purposes and plans are good, they are good, is that he gave it to the Israelites when they were in captivity in Babylon. And so when they looked around, things did not look very good, but they were able to just, they were told by the Lord, keep marrying, keep having kids, enjoy my presence, worship me, give thanks to me. I see you. I am there for you. Your difficulties and disappointments are not an indication of my disappearance. And they're not God's denial. And they're not his absence. And that is so comforting for us as believers to know that he is with us in all of our trials and in all of our heartache, no matter what we see. And sometimes it just takes time. It just takes time to heal. Yeah, I think that's such an important point that we need to give ourselves the freedom to heal, to understand that we are wounded we're walking through losses because his goal is always to heal our broken hearts. It may not be to fully heal our physical issues, but it's always to bring wholeness and healing to our souls. Our hope in Jesus Christ never disappoints. Yes. The one thing I do wish I had done early on that I didn't do, and that's why I do encourage it now with my cancer patient friends is journaling. I thought many times about blogging and journaling through the stroke recovery, through the adoption process, through the, all the challenges of the adoption and parenting. And I never did. I never took that time. And I never really found a love for writing. I was not an author that grew up thinking, this is what my dream was going to be, and this is what I want to do. I write because God has told me, you have a story. That's why I write. And so I would encourage others, though, to really, if you are going through a challenging time, buy a journal and just start writing down what you're going through. And then as God answers those prayers, um, journal where he's answering them and go back and look and see where your prayer requests were and where he's answered those. I wish I had done that. I think I would have gotten more healing early to lunch had I just funneled all my thoughts on paper. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so helpful. Writing out your feelings is a wonderful way to process your sorrow and your losses. Right. I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if we've already talked about this, but just one last question. Could you tell us what you know about God now that you didn't know when you were 28? Oh, wow. I think one thing that I have done that I am so grateful for, and this is from my women's director, because I'm a Bible study leader. A couple of years ago, she encouraged us to get a mentor in her life. And I did. And that was one of the best things I've ever done is I asked a seasoned woman in my Bible study to start mentoring me. And it was the most 
wonderful choice I've ever made because she holds me accountable. She's walked me through some really difficult parenting challenges. And that sometimes she she catches on me on some things that I don't like what she has to say necessarily. <laughs> but she'll even say, have you prayed about that? The activity that you're involved in? And did God tell you to be a part of that? And then I'll think, well, no, I didn't probably pray about that. And maybe I'm not supposed to be a part of that activity right now. And I wish at an earlier age, I had leaned on older seasoned women in the church to mentor me. That would be the one thing I would do differently. And I would encourage younger women to go to older women who have gone through tough things that they may be going through and lean on them because there's a reason they've gone through those things and they've come out stronger and stronger in their faith. That's so helpful. I'm just so curious. This was 20 years ago that you had this aneurysm. What was it that prompted the writing of the book at this time in your life 20 years later? Yes. Well, when I was prompted to write the book and actually started writing, I was at that time a Bible study leader on Zoom. So I really think God had finally put me in a place where I was more quiet so I could hear his voice, number one. Um, and I think a lot of other leaders and authors that I was friends with were in the publishing journey and coming out with their own works at the same time. And I think I felt like, okay, if they could do it, why am I not? Why am I not telling my story? I had always said in the past, I think I will tell my story, but I thought it would be a, very much a stroke story. And my book was definitely not a stroke book at all. It was came up totally our whole journey of many different things. I agree with you. It's not just a stroke story. It's your complex, challenging, joy-filled family story with tons of faith lessons woven in. You dedicate multiple chapters to your adoption story, your three beautiful children you and your husband adopted as a sibling group from Columbia. And they were six, eight, and 10. And then when you returned home, you and your mom homeschooled these sweet kids and taught them English to help them catch up. There were so many challenges. How would you summarize your book's message for us? Oh, I appreciate that so much. Well, the summary really is that life rarely turned out as we pictured it would. And we all face challenges, some big, some small. Mine happened to be really huge, but we all in our life face different challenges. And when we face these challenges and trials, many times we don't have any control over those. However, what we do often have control over is how we react to those. And so my book really illustrates not only our journey as a family, my husband and I, and our journey and how we handle our challenges from my medical challenges to his different job losses, to our decision to go into adoption and parenting and the challenges we faced as adoptive parents, but it also offered reflection questions at the end of each chapter because I really wanted the reader to be able to incorporate their story and their journey and think about what what they're going through. So I hope that readers find it encouraging and helpful as they're reading through my book to think about their own journey. Yes. One of the things you highlight in the difficult times that you walked through is that when you were faced with a roadblock or overwhelming challenges, what strengthened you was God's constant presence and faithfulness. 
that's what steadied your heart in this journey. And sometimes you said it was just a moment by moment of falling on God's grace. So Lori, I know that your book has been nominated for several awards. Can you tell us about that too? So I had the very wonderful opportunity to be a part of a radio broadcast this past summer. It's with a organization called Joy and Company. And they host a contest called the Christian Literary Award. My book, thankfully, was nominated in four different categories. But whether it wins an award or not, I am just absolutely thrilled that it was nominated. We have made the decision. My dad will be escorting me to go to the ceremony in Texas. I think a lot of times people see me as you see me right now on screen. And you can't see the disability. You can't see what I've been through just talking to me. But when you see me in person, you do get a little bit of a different picture. And so I hope that by my being there in person, if that helps my ministry to speak to one more person and encourage one more person, that would bless my heart. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. I wanted to add an update to this story. I discovered that her book did win two awards in the categories of Christian living and testimonial. She was able to go to Texas with her dad and celebrate that. So Lori, we love your courage and we're sending a great big congratulations out to you. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Hope Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. To continue the conversation and for free resources, be sure to visit me at kellyhall.org. Thanks so much.